All right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, is anybody fired up to be here today? Come on. Hey, listen, I just want to welcome everybody. My name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor, and it's a privilege to have everybody here in Florence. Welcome. Can we give it up to our Faith Church family in Lawrenceburg? Hey, man, it's good to have you guys, too. So thankful for what God's doing at Faith Church in both locations, excited. And uh, really, the reason we're here, though, isn't us. It's not our church. It's Jesus. One more time, can we give God our best praise? Come on, all over this place. Come on, Lawrenceburg. Come on, let's lift up our highest praise for him. Well, listen, I want to welcome again everybody. I'm excited for a brand new series we're launching today uh, entitled Rivals. Real quick, can we give it up, man? So thankful for our worship team. Can we show them some love, man? They worked so hard. But especially want to show some love to some of our guests today who came here to help make at least the opener happen. And that's, uh, that's the Florence Big Blue Marching Band. Can we give it up for them? Well, listen, man, we try to say this every week, that we believe that Jesus is the hope of the world. And so if this is your first time here, you've been here lots of times, we just want you to know that we believe that Jesus is the answer to whatever you're going through, whatever your struggle is, whatever your battle is, whatever your issue is. If you'll give Jesus an opportunity to step into your life and you experience his grace and his power, it'll be the greatest thing that's happened to your life. And so our desire is, whether you're in Lawrenceburg or whether you're in Florence or whether you're watching online, that you will have an encounter with God's grace. As if not already through the worship, through his word, you'll open up your heart and God will meet you. Come on, somebody. Is anybody here thankful for who he is and what he's done? So it's a brand new series. Come on, everybody. Say Rivals. Rivals were fired up for this next few weeks, and I just believe with all my heart God's going to do some great things as we've been planning and preparing and praying. I just trust that God's going to continue really to do great things starting today throughout this entire series. But with that in mind, I want everybody to know that this is a series. Most of you who attend here know that we teach in series, which means we take a topic and we will go through that topic typically through four messages Sometimes a few more, sometimes maybe one or two less. But I would say to you this, that if you're new here, make sure you come back. While you're going to get something out of today's message, if you want really everything that God has for you and what God wants to say to you, you got to get the whole message. Like, don't tune in to the first commercial and then click off. you got to come back next week, come back all four weeks, bring people with you. God is going to do some great things through this series. Anybody here believe that? So think about this. There are, in this topic, rivals. There are some classic rivalries, right, in culture. There are some big ones. All of us are aware of at least many of these. Here's a classic rivalry, right, is Coke versus Pepsi. Yeah. Right? You can shout out. When we throw a slide up, just, just shout out what your favorite is, Coke versus Pepsi. Yeah. Right? Or here in the South, we say Coke versus Coke. <laughs> Here's one. I love this one. Apple versus Android. Right? We got some Apple people. You're all, like, you're all in. Like, when you're Apple, you got a tattoo somewhere on your body of an apple with a bite out of it. Like, there's no half-stepping with Apple people. Here's one. I love this one. Marvel versus DC. See? Not, there's not much as that energy, but notice it's, it's Marvel. Like, if you don't love Iron Man, you probably don't love Jesus. And that's just how it is. Here's one right here, right? Here's the next one. Chevy versus Ford. Oh, no. I got this one. Republican versus Democrat. Ain't nobody shouting nothing right now. It's like, I go with Jesus. Here we go. Next one, Chevy versus Ford. Chevy, I don't care what you said. I heard Chevy. Now, this one's a little new on the scene, probably the last year or so. It's gaining momentum. The Husky household, we have decided what side we're on right here, Starbucks versus Dunkin'. 
Yeah, if you've not had Duncan, you need to ride that train. Good stuff, good stuff. Now, this is the newest rival. This has been on the horizon for the last probably couple months, and I just made my decision yesterday right here, Chick-fil-A versus Popeye's. It sounded like a, yeah, that's right, you're my number one with a lemonade. I mean, you know, I just got to tell you, I, I, I did the Popeye thing, like I kept seeing them, and I was like, I got to know Chick-fil-A. I mean, everybody knows that I don't know where Popeye's gets their chicken from, but Chick-fil-A gets theirs from heaven. That's all I know. <laughs> Woo! Come on, they're closed on Sunday to honor what Jesus did Monday through Saturday. <laughs> Here's probably the biggest rival, especially here in the southeast. It is. Come on. Alabama versus Auburn. I almost put up a slide, Alabama versus LSU, but it's too soon, isn't it? It's too soon. It's funny, yesterday we're watching the game, I'm watching it with some friends, and, and uh, you know, if anybody knows me, I can be a little bit, like, I'm looking to pick a fight. And so, I really, I'm, an, I'm a Buckeye fan. Come on, OH. Yeah, baby, we always got some in the house. I'm Ohio State, the Ohio State Buckeyes fan, but... You know, since I'm from the South, I, I lean, I lean with Alabama. So, but I went in just messing with everybody watching the game yesterday, kind of pooling for LSU until I realized LSU was probably going to win. And I started praying and fasting for Alabama because when Alabama loses, church attendance goes down, giving goes down. My counseling load goes up that week. Man, I'm telling you, I got suicide, people are on suicide watch because Alabama lost. So Alabama and Auburn. So again, there are a lot of classic rivalries in culture, but I don't want to talk about the classic rivalries in culture during this series. I want to talk about the personal rivalries that all of us face in our lives. All of us face challenges and difficulties. Here's a definition for a rival, something kind of simple, right? A rival is a person or thing competing with another for superiority, right? Think about that. I would say it another way, and this is really what we're going to tackle today, is this idea that every one of us in this room, everybody in Lawrenceburg, everybody watching online, we all face position opposition. That all of us in this room, and we know what it's like, right, that we are fighting for something, like we're trying to push through school, we're trying to push through a difficult time in marriage, we're trying to push through and wrestle through challenges in our career, and like it's not easy, right? Like it always feels like the wind is against us. It's like standing in the ocean and the tide just continues like it just the goal is to push you out. And all of us in this room, we are facing rivals. We all have this position opposition that we're fighting for a career. We're fighting for our family. We're fighting for joy and health. Or we have it. And what's crazy is even when you finally get handles on it, you feel like you've gotten somewhere like it's just it's not just natural to hang on to it. There's always this resistance. All of us in this room, we have this position, opposition, where we constantly are facing tension and strife, battles and struggles with what God has for us. And what I want you to know right here in the beginning of this message and really this series is I believe that God really has great things for all of us in this room, everybody in Lawrenceburg, but I want you to know something. You have to fight to get it, and you have to fight to keep it. And the moment you stop fighting, you will not experience God's best for your life. Come on, everybody shout rivals. You have a rival, and I have a rival. And so today I want to talk about one more classic, at least in the context of church, a classic rivalry, 
and it is the rivalry between the Israelites and the Philistines. Now, if you're new to church, that doesn't mean anything to you. If you've been in church for a little while, you might recognize those terms, but maybe you might recognize because the microcosm battle between the Israelites and the Philistines is the battle between David and Goliath, between a giant and a shepherd boy. That is a classic rivalry, and it unfolds, and the reason I share this is because what happens here impacts all of us. Check it out. Here's how that classic rivalry unfolds. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 1 through 3. Everybody here read this with me. It says, the Philistines now mustered their army for battle. It's on. The fight is beginning. And I want you to notice that the Philistines are the ones that picked the fight. You may not have picked the fight, but you're still in a fight. You may not want to fight, but there's still position opposition. And it says, and they camp, the Philistines, when they mustered their army for battle, camp between Sokol and Judah and Azekah at Ephes Demim. Got to be careful how you pronounce some biblical words. I'm not cussing. It's Bible. Saul, who was the king of the nation of Israel, he countered by gathering the Israelite troops near the valley of Elah. Now, check this out. So the Philistines and the Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. So again, here's this picture. Imagine you're looking down a valley. I want you to notice that the description of the story is careful to note that nobody's in the valley. You got to pick a side. And on one side is the, are the Philistines, right? And we all know it. Like imagine all this, like imagine if all you can see is just kind of the shadows of the army. You might see some spearheads or some, you might see some swords, but in the middle of, in the midst of the army, in the midst of the battalion of the Philistines, there is this lumbering giant Goliath standing on the hill waiting for a fight. And on the other side is, for as far as the eye can see, the nation of Israel. And again, the reason that this story is important to us is because this is our story. See, the nation of Israel, was, it was God's kids. The nation of Israel was God's chosen people. And what you have to know real quick is how they got on their hill. See, they didn't get on their hill because they were smart or good-looking or had it all together. They got on God's hill because God invited them on his hill. See, what you need to know is that in this battle we're talking about, that the nation of Israel, their history is that they were slaves in the land of Egypt. They were in bondage for 400 years. They couldn't fix it. They couldn't get themselves out of the predicament. They couldn't save themselves. So God sent a man by the name of Moses to go into Egypt to break the grip of Pharaoh, to set God's people free to go into the promised land. That's how they got on God's hill. See, that's our story. If you don't recognize it, is all of us, we were in bondage. We were in a struggle. There wasn't anything we could do to set ourselves free. So God sent us a savior. He sent us a rescue. Come on, his name is Jesus. He showed up and broke the stronghold of the enemy so we could be free, so we could stand on God's hill, so we could be on God's side, so we could be children of the most high. Come on, y'all got to do better than that. Is anybody here thankful for what Jesus has done for us? Come on, Lawrence Burke. But again, what I want you to see is that nobody's in the valley, which means you got to decide where you stand. Ain't no half-stepping. You can't hang out in the valley. You got to pick a side. So again, here's the battle on one side, the Philistines on the other side, the nation of Israel. And it rolls through. And what's crazy is we see, again, all of us, we sense that same tension. We all sense that, 
that same battle. We sense that same struggle. Some of you in this room, let's be honest, some of you have gone through some battles and God's been good to you and God brought you some strength and God gave you some grace and you didn't think you might make it out of it. Some of you in this room has gone through some medical stuff and some marriage stuff and some struggle stuff. Anybody here, God got you on the other side and you're thankful for it. Come on. Some of us, we're still in it. Some of us, we're in the midst of it. We're not sure how we're going to get out. That's what this series is for. Figure out how to get the win in life. How do you, how do you overcome your rival? Some of you, and I think all of us get here from time to time, is sometimes we don't feel like we're in a fight. Like life's going good. The bills are paid. Marriage is good. Kids are bringing home B minuses. Right? Our professors like us in school. Just seems like everything's okay for a little while. So what I want you to know today is really this big idea is, again, we all face position opposition. What you need to know is that you need to be aware of the fight. If you forget you're in a fight, if you don't think you're in a fight, you won't fight. And when you don't fight when you're in a fight, you'll lose the fight. Let me say that again. If you don't fight when you're in the fight, you'll lose the fight. If you don't think you're in a fight, I'm just telling you. Let me just give you an example. Did you know every one of us in this room, all of us sitting here, all of us in Lawrenceburg right now, we're at risk for our identities being stolen? Like people are kind of like right now, there is some 35-year-old dude with a half-eaten pizza sitting in his mom's basement hacking on a computer. <laughs> right? That's funny. Come on, man. I'm telling you, that's what happened. Lori gave me a word about it. <laughs> I don't know, overseas, who I, but I know this. It happens all the time. And so that's why I'm careful. I don't know about you guys, but like when I, I feel this, I feel this uneasiness. I feel this stress when I have to pick a password when I like when I'm logging to a page, like come up with a password. I'm like, ugh. Because you can't, you don't want to use one that you use too much. And you don't want to use one, right? That's too easy. You gotta find one that's hard enough nobody else can come up with it, but not too hard that you can't remember it. Which is, I'm just, I don't know about you guys, you all don't feel that, that tension. And when you finally come up with one you've not used too much that you think you can remember, you forget it, and they send you a reset, and then you, got, you can't use the same one. You've got to come up with a brand new one. You're like, ah, i got like 10 million passwords. Nobody can hack me. I can't even hack myself. <laughs> but here's what's funny is a lot of us in this room, again, we, we just think, well, that's not going to happen to me, and we, we just throw mail away unassumingly. I'm telling you, I get paranoid. When I'm in the checkout line and I stick my debit card in the machine, I make sure nobody's looking when I put in my pass. I'm like, yo, man, look over there. You don't need to see my password. Because I'm just telling you, people are looking to hack your identity. I, uh, in, in premarital counseling, this might talk some of you out of it. In uh, one of the sessions I do in premarital counseling with couples who want to get married is we talk about finances because finances is one of the number one things that will cause strife in a marriage is how the money's spent and where the money goes. And so I always tell couples, hey, listen, next week to get ready for the conversation on finances, I want each of you to go home and pull a financial report, pull a credit check. And every couple's always the same, oh, pastor, we're in love. It don't matter if he ain't got no money. I love him. Well, that sounds good till the water bill comes due. Because sometimes not everybody's been, come on, let's, anybody ever meet somebody that wasn't full disclosure? So I say, listen, you just need to have all the cards on the table. Everybody needs to know everybody's financial position. But it has happened one time that a couple came back to me and they found out, unbeknownst to them, that their identity was hacked and someone had run up thousands of dollars of debt in their name. So I just want you to know something, that that is a real tension all of us, all of us experience. So you might be here and you might think, hey, 
not me. Everything's going good. I want you to know there is a real battle. There is a real fight. You have a real rival. And whether you know it or not, whether you sense it or not, all of us are in the middle of position opposition. There's a real enemy trying to push you out of what God has for you, trying to keep you out of the best life God wants for you. He's trying to rob you, steal from you, and lie to you to keep you from experiencing the life that Jesus came to have for all of us. Come on, somebody. It's real. So watch this. I love this. So introduce the story, right? We have the Israelites and we have the Philistines. Now we go into the details and we see the characters, which we're going to talk about this story all four weeks. And so now we see the first of the two main characters in the battle of the Philistines and the Israelites. We see David and Goliath. Here's David. First Samuel 17 verses 13 through 15 says this. Jesse's, who is David's father, Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to war. The first one was Eliabab, the second was Abinadab, and the third was Shammah. And David was the youngest, the three oldest, come on, everybody here read this, the three oldest followed Saul, come on, Lawrenceburg, but David went back and forth, everybody say that, went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. So notice David, even though he's a young shepherd, if you don't know the story, he's called and anointed to be king. There's a battle going on, like Already they are sizing each other up, the Philistines and the Israelites, and notice what David's doing. He's going back and forth. He goes up and checks out the battle. He kind of scopes it out, and then he goes back, and he shepherds sheep. Bah. <laughs> and then he goes back to the battlefield, and he checks it out, and he keeps going back and forth. It, it's almost like he's kind of apathetic about the fight. And see, the reason some of you are losing ground and being pushed back is because if you're honest, you're just kind of apathetic about the fight. Like you'll fight for your marriage for a little bit, you'll fight for your kids, and then you throw up your arm. Like you go to church for a little while, and then you bail out and you disappear for like three months till I call you. Oh, y'all got some phone calls for me. Hey, I've just been missing you. Uh, I've been sick. You've been sick for three months? If you're sick for three months, you need to be in the hospital. Come on. Everybody say Fight. You got to determine and know that you're in a fight if you're going to fight that fight. Yeah. And David, he acts like he don't really even know. It's like he's unaware. You need to be aware, all of us in this room, all of us watching, you need to be aware that there is a real fight happening around you and against you. You're in it whether you want to fight it or not. I've come today to call you to fight your fight. 1 Peter 5, 8 and verse 9 tells us who our enemy is, but it starts with this powerful challenge. Verse 2 words. Come on, read it with me. Stay Come on, everybody say that. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Your rival, your main rival, isn't your husband. It's not your wife. It's not your career. It's not your boss. It's not your neighbor. It's not your president. It's not your congresspeople, men and women. It's... it's your primary rival is a real spiritual enemy, the devil. You say, come on, pastor, you, you believe in the devil? Well, I, I believe in Jesus, and Jesus believes in the devil. And anybody who predicts their death and resurrection and pulls it off, I go with what they say. I'm, I'm going to go with them. And so the Bible says that we really have this spiritual enemy, but I want you to notice how he fights. Did you see it? Like he doesn't come on on a full frontal attack. He says he, he roams around like a roaring lion. I've had the privilege to be on several safaris. I've gotten the privilege to travel a lot in the world. And I've been, in, been on safaris in South Africa and Lesotho and Kenya. 
And if you've never been on a safari, you, you ride in these big trucks with like there's no windows, which is why I wear depends when I'm, because I'm, like, I'm looking to roll a window up, do, you know, I'm not beyond pushing a friend in front of a line if it'll save my life. My church is larger than yours. I need to be here. That's just if they happen to be watching. But you ride, and I've got to see, man, all kinds of antelopes and zebras. But I have seen on multiple occasions prides of lions. We rolled up off the path. They're like, we're not supposed to do this. Well, don't do this. And they rolled over by this little pride of lions. Like, I mean, I'm telling you, from, I'm sitting in a truck from here to you, Ramon. And look at you. I'm like, bro, you need to get back up on the road. The road is there for a reason. But I have seen... Lepers, lepers don't run out and charge their prey. They bend down and they get low so they can't see you. They creep slow. So the prey don't expect it and they don't see it. They're on the menu and they don't even know it yet. (laughs) And when the antelope or the gazelle least expect it, that's when they pounce. And what Peter's trying to say is, wake up. You're being scoped whether you know it or not. You're being tracked whether you realize it or not. The enemy has a plan whether you, whether you believe it or not. All of us in this room, we have a real spiritual rival who is chasing us. And David, like, it's like all of a sudden he doesn't realize that some of you in this room and you don't realize you're in a fight. Listen, you came to church, got brought to church, got talked into church for one reason. Because God wants you to know what you're in is a real fight. And he's called all of us to fight our fight. And so watch this. It goes on. He says this. Here's... 1 Thessalonians 5 kind of reminds us of this same thing. Paul says, so be on your guard, not asleep like others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed. He's saying, let us who are aware that there's a fight be constantly on guard of our enemies. Let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. So when you read the New Testament, you get the same warning over and over by different men of God, different authors of the New Testament. Stay on guard. Be alert. Wake up. Be sober. Be vigilant. It's like this constant my life. Like you need to be keep like keep looking because because you have a rival. I, I, I don't want anybody to think this is cultural appropriation, but you know, there's a term right now in our society and culture, woke. And woke means, you know, culturally, like, to be aware of racism and bigotry and be aware of what's going on in our culture. But I'm just telling you, like, like Paul, he should get credit for that word because he used it first. When he said wake up, he just didn't get the woke version yet. But that's what he's saying, be woke. Yeah. Like, be aware there is a spiritual enemy. Come on. I want everybody to know something that, again, the, the joy and the strength and the life and the marriage and the hope and the home and the career and the relationships that God wants you to have. It's under constant attack because the enemy doesn't want you to have what God wants you to have. There is a fight. There is a battle. And some of us just need to be aware of the battle. Come on, somebody. And for a few minutes, I I think maybe some of us, if we're not aware of the battle, once we're aware of the battle, what's really going to get us in the fight is when we're aware of what's at stake. There's something at stake in the fight. Notice... What happens, right? So Goliath, he wanders, he lumbers down on the field like fee-fi, foe, fum. 
I know I'm mixing fairy tale with story. God, this is true history, but this helps me know the story better. He lumbers down on the field, and I want you to notice what he says, because the devil doesn't fight group against group. He's one-on-one. He's fighting you one-on-one. Doesn't mean you're in this fight alone, but he's coming at you. Watch this. So he gets out on the field. Goliath, here's what Goliath says to all the nation of Israel. Basically, send me one guy to fight. And he says, if he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you, saying all the nation of Israel, will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. See, the enemy doesn't want you to have a bad day. He wants you to have a broken life. He doesn't want to put you in a bad mood. He wants to put you in bondage. Because I want you to know something, and and all of us, we already know this. You are fighting. When you fight for something, you might be the only one in the battle, but you're not the only one that's going to have consequences of the outcome of that battle. The outcome of your fight has an impact on the future of your friends. Everybody you're connected to is going to be influenced by the fight you're in and how the results of that fight. You don't believe me? Talk to kids of a divorced home. You don't believe me? Talk to a family of an addict. You don't believe me? Talk to a spouse of someone who cheated on them. Come on. Come on. When somebody's in a fight, it impacts everybody around them. There's a lot more at stake at the fight that you're in than just you. And that's why you got to fight because you're not just fighting for you. You're fighting for everything around you. You're fighting for the people you're connected to. So you got to fight for your family. You got to fight for your marriage. You got to fight for your future. You got to fight for your career. You got to fight for your relationship with God. When you stop fighting, you will lose the fight. I don't know if anybody seen this. I love, anybody here love to laugh? I love to laugh. Funny movies, those are my favorite. Uh, Pastor Ryan, he's a great youth pastor. Anybody here thankful for our youth pastor? He's a great youth pastor. One of his gifts is joy. Man, he just brings joy in the room. And so um, love hanging out with him, man. Always have a good time laughing. Last night, my wife told me, and I kind of remember this. Anybody have crazy dreams? Like, I'm talking about some crazy dreams. Like, I remember kind of waking myself up in the middle of the night saying, oh, and my wife's like, Stephen, are you okay? And I remember someone broke in our garage. And she's like, were you afraid of them? I was like, no, I got them out, but I was afraid of getting them out. But I got them out. I made some noise. But then she said later, she said, but you were laughing later on in the morning, which means I got some victory. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so, but I love to laugh. I don't know if anybody, again, you, you love to laugh. I don't know if you're paying attention to the news just in the last several days, but there's a guy who came on the scene a couple years ago by the name of John Christ and John Chris became huge first on social media and walking around with, you know, his camera and he'd walk into grocery stores or he'd walk into football fields and he would just do this little commentary and the dude's funny. I had the privilege to see him live uh, about a year ago and uh, again, he's just a dude that loves the Lord and just God's given him such a big platform. Last year, he was one of the top 100 performers in the world, which is, you know, means he's rolling it in. He's on some big stages. And unfortunately, it came out last week that for the last seven years, he's been like having these sexual affairs from city to city and sexually accosting females. And like, it's just, it's crazy. Now, here's the thing. He's been in a fight for seven years. At least. And he lost the fight because he wasn't fighting the fight. What I want you to know is he's not the only one that lost in the fight. Everybody now that knows John Chris, their faith has been impacted by his loss in the battle. So if you don't fight for your marriage, you're not the only one that's going to lose. 
And if you don't fight for your home and you don't fight for your kids, and you don't fight for your career and you don't fight for your purpose and you don't fight for your destiny, you're not the only one that's going to lose. Everybody that's connected to you, everybody you have influence on is going to be influenced by the outcome of your battle. And so I'm just here to tell you today, man, that all of us in this room are in a real fight. And there's big stakes. The outcome is huge. And so I just want you to know, I hope you come back for every week of this series, but I want you to leave looking over your shoulder, knowing that the fight is real, the tension you sense, the wrestling in your home, the heartache sometimes you're in, the, the pressure, sometimes, the, sometimes the, the weight on your mind, sometimes the anxiety and the depression, it's not your chemical imbalance, it's the fight you're in, it's your opponent trying to wrestle against you to get you out of the fight, because God's called you to greatness, God's called you to purpose, God's called you to influence, and he wants to do everything he can to rob you from your position without opposition come on so here's the thing is so right so he walks out on the battlefield and here's the crescendo if there was some music I almost brought a bugle so I could blow it it's not a bugle it's a trumpet but because the crescendo of the story is David wanders up he's checking things out and he sees Goliath walk out on the battlefield. And he looks around. He's like, nobody else is going to fight? Nobody else is going to go down and fight this guy? Now, you got to imagine, he's a 14-year-old kid. And he says this. I love the attitude that he says this with. He said, can you read attitude? I read attitude in it. So David says to King Saul, let no one else lose heart on account of this Philistine. He's like, y'all are worried about this fool. Don't worry about it. I'm here. Your servant will go out to fight him. I want every one of you, man, to let that breed in your heart. Lord, your servant will go out to fight him. I'm going to fight for my home. I'm going to fight for my family. I'm going to fight for my kids. I'm going to fight for my community. I'm going to fight for my calling. I'm going to fight for my influence. Come on, is anybody here ready to do some fighting? Come on, somebody. So he says, hey, I'm going to go out and fight. The problem is, man, too many of us have like the spirit of Eeyore in the church. Well, guess I'm going through a bad time again. Well, there goes my kids. Yes, I wasn't meant to be happy. Come on, man. You can have a spirit of you or you can have the spirit of David. I'll go out and fight. Come on, somebody. I want you to know, man, I'm living this. I never, ever get up and think, okay, I need a scripture because I got to have something to say on Sunday. I don't get up and try to say something. I get up with something to say because this is yeah. what I live. Yeah. This, uh, my wife and I, and really you, whether you know it or not, like, we've just been in a battle for like three months, just little things, nothing big. If I said I went through this, all of you could say, Pastor, I went through this. But when you go through wave after wave after wave, day after day, challenge after challenge, fight after fight, like, it just gets weary. And sometimes you don't want to fight when all you do is fight. Wow. You know, we, we moved into a brand new house, had issue after issue after issue after issue, had some challenges financial challenges. One daughter had surgery. One daughter was in a car accident. I wasn't here last Sunday. Pastor Adam was already scheduled to preach. I wasn't here last Sunday. Woke up Sunday morning with a kidney stone. You've never had a kidney stone. I'm telling you, those are from the devil. 
I'm on the bathroom floor, and I got pretty high pain. To, I'm like beating the floor. Ah! My wife's like, we got to go to the hospital. And I was not, I'm not that guy that like won't go to the hospital. I didn't want to go to the hospital and look like an idiot in the emergency room, like laying on the floor like, ah. It's just one thing after another, after another, after another. So I showed up Monday, sent a text out actually early morning. I said, hey, to my, to my team, we have about 30 staff here. And I said, this week we're going to fast and pray. We're going to fight back. We're going to push the devil back. The word the Lord gave me was, I'm tired of the devil being on his toes. I'm going to put him back on his heels. And the entire week we fasted and we prayed every, every day at noon. Our team got in here, man. We pray. We pray for this service. We pray for this series. We pray for you. We pray for our church. Pray for my family. So I'm telling you, you're in a fight. Some of you say, well, is this, I mean, pastor, is this a bad day? Everybody goes through a bad day. I, no, it's more than that. See, some of you aren't just going through something. It's more than that. You've got a real rival that's pushing back against you. You are facing position opposition. And the enemy wants to get you out of what God has for you. So here's what Paul says. 1 Timothy 6, 12. Y'all with me today? He says this. He says, fight the good fight for the true faith. Everybody shout, fight the fight. If you want what God has for you, you've got to fight the fight. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you. Now stop. Everybody say eternal life. See, if you've been in church for any matter of time, you don't even have to be in church. We hear eternal life here in the Western church, and we think eternal life means heaven. That Jesus came to give us eternal life. Eternal life is not the quantity of days, it's the quality of life. Okay? Yeah, it includes heaven. See, Jesus said, John 10, 10, Jesus said, he said, I've come to give you life and life to the full. He said, I've come to give you eternal life. I've come to give you life overflowing. I've come to give you life in abundance. And Jesus didn't say, you can cash that in when you die and get to me. He said, no, I came to you so it can start right now, today. Jesus came to give you eternal life now. Come on. Wait, real quick, what's eternal life? Because some of you are like, well, eternal life is BMW and no problems and a big mansion on a hill. And, you know, I can just do whatever I want. No, eternal life is the life that Jesus, that God designed us for and Jesus died for us to get. Which includes not a carefree life but includes, number one, the reason you were ever put here. Right. And wake up and think, what is this all about? It's all about you were created for God's glory. Right. Part of that is getting that purpose back. And you were created with gifts and talents to use, to enjoy. So God, when Jesus came to bring us eternal life, Jesus came to fix every relationship this way, our relationship with God and every relationship this way. That the relationship with our kids can be healthy and the relationship with our spouse and the relationship with our friends and family, the relationship with our community and our culture. Jesus came to give us purpose. So yeah, God wants you to have prosperity. God wants you to be in health and prosper even as your soul prospers. God wants you to have strength and joy and purpose. God wants you to have a healthy marriage. God wants you to have a, a strong family unit. God wants you to have a successful career. God wants you to have great friends. Come on, somebody. Does anybody here want that? Because that's what God wants for you. So listen again. John 10, 10, the thief comes. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life to the full. But the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So you're like, well, who decides what I have? You. Jesus wants to give you life. The devil wants to steal that life. Who decides what you have? You do. If you don't fight, then you give up and you forfeit to the thief what he wants to steal from you. But if you'll be aware that there is a fight and you'll realize what's at stake, 
If you'll fight the fight. If you'll fight the fight. I can't, I want to get into next week already. I'm just telling you, if you fight, it's a guaranteed victory. I'm just going to tell you that next week we'll get into it. If you will fight, it's a guaranteed victory. Isn't that cool? Isn't that good news? So here's the thing. David realized, he realized, he realized there was a battle. He realized what was at stake. And he realized he was the one to fight the fight. And here we are, 3,000 years later, we're still talking about this dude. A young kid, David, who fought the fight, defeated a giant, and became a king. This week, I just want you to know you're in a fight. It's real. And you're fighting for something greater than just you. How many in this room or in Lawrenceburg would say, Pastor Steve, I need to... I need to fight a little harder. I need to engage my enemy a little more. Come on. Some of you need to get in this thing. Come on. Just some of you by raising a hand. Come on. Throw it up. Say, I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to start fighting for my marriage and fighting for my home and fighting for my relationship with God. I'm tired of being back and forth. I'm ready to get in the game. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, all over this room, I'm thankful for what you're doing. I pray that God, you'll implant a passion in our hearts to fight. God, there's too much at stake. So, Lord, I pray, God, help us to to raise our fists, to engage on behalf of all the people around us, that we can have the life that you came to bring us. And so, Father, I pray for every person in Lawrenceburg, Florence, every person watching online, that they will fight the fight. If you're here with your head bowed and your eyes closed, listen, I want you to know again, the way you get on God's hill or God's side isn't how how smart you are, how good you are. It's all through what God did for us. And so you can have a relationship with a God who loves you, who will fight with you and for you and through you if you're in relationship with him. And that just starts by you saying yes to his grace and mercy. See, all of us have messed up, me and you and everybody you know. There's nothing we can do to fix our mistakes, but Jesus offers forgiveness and grace if we'll turn and surrender to him. And so if you're here and you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never said yes to his grace and his mercy, all you got to do is say, God, I need you. I need your grace, and he'll meet you right where you are today. So as I close today and we get out of here, if you're here and you've never given your life to Christ or you're away from him, you're backslidden, you grew up maybe loving God and serving Jesus, but you're nowhere near him, and today you want to recommit your life to Christ. If you're here and you want to say yes to Jesus, you want to give your life to Christ, you want to stand on the right side of the valley, I want you to lift a hand real high and say, Pastor Steve, pray for me, man. Today I want to say yes to Jesus. Come on, is anybody here who wants to say yes to God's grace, yes to God's mercy, yes to God's love? Come on, you throw a hand up real high so I can see it. Or you're away from God, and today you need to recommit your life to Christ. Come on, just leave it up for one second so I can see it. Come on. Thank you, 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 thank you. A lot of hands. I want you just to, you can pray after me or you can use your own words. If you'll call out to him, he'll answer you. You can say, Jesus, I put all of my hope in you. I believe you died for me in my place for my sin. And you give me what I could never earn, the gift of salvation and the gift of your grace. Save me today and make me your child and help me from this day forward to follow you. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed said amen. Come on, can we thank God today all over this place? Come on. Hey, God bless you guys, man. Have a great week. Make sure you come back next week for week two arrival.